I want to bring a message to you entitled, You Can Have It All. You can have it all. And um, yeah, let's pray again for me, at least, and for you. Father, I ask that my words would be your words. And um, Father, I, I can't offer anything to your children, but you can. So God, allow me to decrease as you increase. And uh, give us hearts, fertile soil, so that our lives would bear fruit for your glory in the years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 But for now, I'm going to start off with a story. So, uh, <laughs> um, we were at the Nationals game uh, last year with our boys. And so, we're walking into, into the stadium, and we're heading to our seats. And um, Judah sees the, the paraphernalia stores. You know, it's multiple ones around there. It's, it's bad for parents, good for kids. And um, we just have to walk in. I mean, he, he already wants his, his Dippin' Dots ice cream. Um, but we, we stopped by the store, and he's like, Daddy, I want a hat. I want a Bryce Harper jersey. Bryce had already moved on. He should have moved on. <laughs> Won't get into all that. On a helmet. I want a jersey, I want a ball, I want this. And I'm like, son, just chill. Like, we're, we got to get to our seat. So we got him a ball, and so we're like, whoo, we dodged that bullet. Whoo, <laughs> we dodged that one. High five, babe, yay. And so during the game, um, you know, he's watching the game, and he, he mentions it once or twice, but we're like, okay, cool. It's, 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 it's minimizing. He's not talking about it anymore. And so we look at the scoreboard, and it's the seventh inning, we say, all right, let's, let's get on out of here. Let's try to beat the traffic. And so uh, we're like, yeah, man, we're going to make it out. Woo! And if you have a four-year-old or if you ever had children, you know that uh, they don't forget. They're very persistent. And so we're heading out. And uh, he stops and he says, Daddy, I want a jersey. I want another ball. I want a toy. I want a bobblehead. I want all these things. Don't forget about me. What about me? I'm like, son, we just spent all this money on these tickets. You had ice cream. You had hot dogs. You had ketchup. You had al mustel. That's me. So we don't say mustard. Al mustel. All right. Some of you are like, this is a comedy show or church. We bamboozled you. It's a comedy show. We just have fresh bread. But we're not going to eat it. All right, sorry. Okay, okay. My wife is saying, all right. Oh, because this is a super, you know, encouraging message. Last week, it was the Holy Spirit, so I'm just feeling good, and it's so good to see y'all, man. Give yourselves a hand clap. You're in church on a Sunday. You're in church on a Sunday in Maryland. Like, this is happening in the South, not in the DMV and the East Coast. This is amazing, so. But, um, you know, I, I just... I have to tell you that we ended up getting Judah everything that his heart <laughs> desired. He got it all, Laura. He got it all. And I believe the same for you. You can have all that God has in store for you. And when I say that, I, I do mean, I mean peace and I mean joy. I, I do mean purpose. God has a purpose and, and he wants that purpose to prevail in your life. No matter your circumstance. We're going to enter into a scripture here where we read about Paul. It's one of my favorite books, the book of Philippians. You ought to go back in our podcast last year. We went verse by verse through this book. The, the series was called Summer Bliss. 
And so um, I encourage you to check out the podcast, Highlight Church. But um, he's, he's in shackles and he's in chains, but he's writing his most joyous letter to a church that he started in Philippi. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but for whatever reason, his heart is filled with joy, and he's expectant for what God has for him. And if you're taking notes, he has these three desires. Number one, he desires to know Jesus more. This is after 30 years of serving the Lord, suffering, pain, traveling by foot, by ship, by horse, thousands of miles, three continents, and he's in prison for, for Christ. He wants to know Christ more, even though he's in prison. The second thing is he wants to, to experience the power of Jesus in his life. The power of Jesus in his life. And ultimately, he wants to finish his race well. He wants to enter into eternity so that his Savior can say, well done, good and faithful servant. So he, he wants those things. He wants it all for his life. And I believe that if Paul was here today, he would encourage you in that, in, that, in that vein. Let's go ahead and pick it up here in Philippians 3, verse 12. And he says this. He says that I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. The word here, perfection, means maturity in Christ. I mean, you're talking about the great apostle. He even says, I, I don't, I feel like I have a lot more growth to do after 30 years of serving God. And he says this here, but I, watch this, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So I encourage people all the time that when you came to Christ, that was the first step. Or, or, or when you came to Jesus, if you want to write this down, this is powerful. When you came to Jesus, you initiated the plan of God for your life. It was initiated. But there's, there's some, more, some more pressing that you have to do. So if you're going to get all that God has for you, I want to give you just three practical points. It's the summer. No need to be all heavy. Three practical points. Number one, don't settle here. Don't settle here. Don't settle here. Um, my father worked for the airline, Delta Airline, for 27 years. He had some seniority. And so one of the benefits of being a, a dependent of his was that we had, we had buddy passes. Anyone ever flown buddy pass? Show of hands, buddy pass. Okay, a few. Good, 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 good. Uh, as you know, with buddy pass, it's not always um, guaranteed that you're going to catch your flight. Um, so there were plenty of times where we just kept getting pushed back. I never got stuck anywhere. I remember our flirt first flight together. We were dating at the time, courting at the time. It's an old school word. Y'all don't know what that means, courting. <laughs> My dad's 82, so I got all the old words. Courting. <laughs> courting. Dating until the betrothal of marriage. Courting, like, Dad, I remember when he first told me that word, Dad, what is courting? Do I take her to court? Like, no, son, it's, it's getting to know her better, you know. So we were courting. Anyway, um, she brought some tickets to New York, and we were going to see this amazing band, Gun Gore, and it was great. So we were going on Buddy Pass, 
and uh, <laughs> we have a 7 a.m. flight. We come to the airport. We're ready to go. You know, you know how you go shopping and all that. We just got, you know, we're all cute. We're ready to go. Get on our plane. So we get pushed back because there's someone who has 30 years seniority on my dad. Then there are people who are working, and if they're on Buddy Pass, they have more privilege than those who have retired. So we just, you know, we start off at the top, but we just continue to see our names go. Number two, number three, number eight, number seven, number nine. The thing is, is I could have gotten on that 7 a.m. plane, but she would have gotten kicked off. So I'm like, well, babe, I'll see you in New York. Um, just let me know if you make it. And so, no, I stayed with her. <laughs> 7 a.m., we missed that flight. We missed the 9. We missed the 11. 1, 3, 5, 7. It is like 9 p.m. We're stuck at McCoy, Orlando, Florida. And she is bawling her eyes out. I want to go on our trip. I mean, PK is just acting like a baby. And I'm like, babe, like, we live a half an hour away. We can just catch the next one in the morning. Like, just chill out. But I believe that she was so irate and, and discouraged and kind of disgruntled. And the reason was is because we weren't meant to settle there. The, the, the plan was to, to move on further, to, to move on to the next city, our connecting flight, and to get on up to New York. And I just believe that um, if you're still breathing, I don't think you should settle. I don't think you should settle for where you are. Now, should you be grateful? Yes. Should you praise the Lord? Yes. Should you be thankful? Yes. But if you still have breath in your lungs, you should be pressing into everything that God has for you. You should always be moving on and moving forward and evaluating your life, looking at the areas of your life to see where you've settled for less than God's best. And so Paul says that I... Uh, you know, I, I haven't reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. There are two things, if you're taking notes, that cause us to settle in our faith and in our lives. Number one, success. It's crazy because success is the enemy to success. Typically, when we've progressed in something, if you're not careful, you can have the tendency to just chill. So, you got the job, but how are you showing up? Right. Made it to the wedding ceremony. You said, I do. You kissed, took great pictures. Everyone was there. They spent a lot of money to get there. You got to the ceremony, but you settled there. Mm -hmm. You settled there. Success, degrees, uh, neighborhoods, money, promotion, education, uh, saying yes to Jesus, being baptized, all that is great, but it is also the enemy to more progress and more advancement. And so success will tell you this is it, you've arrived, settle here, settle here. I love this story in um, Second Chronicles of King Solomon. The Bible says that he was the most wisest man and the richest man to ever live. His, David, his father David came from the bottom and uh, by the time God was done with David, it was amazing. My, my favorite character in the scripture is David, aside from Jesus, because he came from the bottom and God raised him up. And then David gave all this resource to his son. Solomon becomes king, and he has the people, he has the money, he has the resource, and then God visits him. God visits him. And I believe that God was testing him. Second Chronicles chapter 1 says this, verse 7, That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. 
Skip down a few verses, verse 10. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern such a great people of yours? Solomon. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was ever before you ever had, and none after you will have. I love that. So he has everything already. He has success, but he's asking God for wisdom to move forward. He's not settling where he is. He's not satisfied with with where he is. He's grateful. He praises the Lord, but he's not going to settle there. Because as you're tempted to settle, there are only two ways. You can move forward. You're never going to stay where you are in your faith. You're never going to stay in that seat. You're either going to move back into depression, back into anxiety, back into worry, back into routine, back into the same old, same old, or we're going to get out of the seat. We're going to say, God, grow us. God, give us wisdom. God, give us a hunger. God, give us vision. Lord, give us more. We want to grow in Christ and experience the power of Christ in our life. So you have to watch success. It's, it's normally when you're on the mountaintop where you're most tempted to just quit. And the second thing that causes us to, to, to settle is failure. Failure. So one is success, and then you swing the pendulum to the other side. Failure. A bad breakup. Rejection. Illness. Paul, by all measures, the greatest preacher to ever live. Bar none, hands down. He's the man. If he stepped in this building right now, I'd turn it off, say, here you go. Here's the mic, Paul. Teach me bar none, the most successful pastor to ever live, but also lots of failures, lots of shortcomings, lots of rejection, lots of hurt, lots of pain, lots of wounds, lots of betrayal, lots of, lots of every reason to say, Lord, why am I doing this? The suffering is too hard. I quit, it's all a failure, and it's not worth it. Following you is not worth it. Going to church is not worth it. Putting on worship music is not worth it. I'll quit, and it's, it's just a failure. The second temptation is failure to cause you to settle. Breakup, illness, rejection. Paul had all of those things, and this is what failure will say to you. Failure will say this is it, and you're never going to arrive. Jesus told Paul a number of things, but one of the things that Jesus promised Paul was that he was going to Russia. I mean, going to Rome. You're going to Rome. Let me give you a pro tip for when you read your scripture. When you read this, especially the red letters. I lost my page because I don't have a bookmark. But when you read this, especially the red letters of Jesus, go ahead and write this down. If God said it, then it's settled. So it was Paul's desire to go to Rome in order to preach to Caesar. Because if I can get to Caesar, and if I can get his heart changed, the gospel of Jesus Christ will go all throughout the land. If I can get to the top...
And so one of, one of Jesus' promises to Paul was that you're going to Rome. So despite whatever came his way, rejection, criticism, if he failed Jesus on a certain mission, if he was going in a different direction than what Jesus called him to, Jesus would always reroute him to the right direction. No matter what was going on, whenever Paul interpreted something as failure, Jesus would flip it and he would say, no, this is success. And you're not going to die. And you're not going to stay here. And you're not going to be bound. And you're not going to not make it. You're going to make it. You're going to Rome. And until I'm through with you, no one's going to kill you. No one's going to take you out. No circumstance is going to drown you out. But failure can cause us to settle. There's a story where uh, the children of Israel, is, uh, they're, they're leaving Egypt. Uh, God is using Moses to, to get them out of bondage and slavery. Egypt means sin. Right, it's, it's a shadowing of Jesus in Old Testament, New Testament. They're leaving Egypt, and they're running. And so the Egyptians are trailing them. They're catching up, and they get to the shore, and there's this body of water. And they're like, Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt? We'd rather have garlic, leek, and onions. What do you mean, the promised land? What do you mean we're going we're gonna to grow and we're going to do great things? We should have just continued to be slaves in Egypt. We don't want to move forward. This is an utter failure. And so Moses is like, God, what's up? Like, what are we going to do here? Like, what's going on? And I love God's response because they had interpreted it as failure. God said this in Exodus 14, 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, ah, fresh bread. Why are you crying out to me? I'm praying and reading and singing. Why are you crying? Get moving. Put some, put some feet to your faith. I'm going to open this thing up. I'm going to come through. Get moving. This is not a failure. And chances are, if you're not going through something, if you're not struggling with something, maybe you're not making progress. But anytime the enemy sees that you're making progress, he's always going to send a temptation for you to give up. And guess what? God is going to use that same temptation to test you. And so Moses is like, you know, he was always carrying the weight of his people. Because at one point you have God pulling Moses, and the other part you have people pulling him back. And so he's just like, and God says, why are they crying out to me? Tell them to get going in Jesus. Tell them to keep praying. Tell them to keep reading. Tell them to keep serving. Tell them to keep giving. Tell them to press into their faith. I'm about to open this thing up unlike they've ever seen before in their lives. Tell them to obey. Tell them to trust. Tell them to trust you. You're their leader. Come on. Tell them let's, we got to get going. And so if you're not careful, you can settle here when things get tough and you can begin to misinterpret those things as failure. Hell Elrod said this. He said, let today be the day that you give up who you've been for who you can become. So I love Paul's language when he says, I have not reached maturity. Paul, Paul, this is Paul you wrote. Half of the New Testament. We study your doctrine. We live on your theology. You haven't reached it? Wow. I was like, no, I, I, can't, 
I can't settle here. There's more of Jesus. There's more power. There are more miracles. There's more grace for my mistakes. There's more forgiveness for my sin. There's more revelation. There's, there's more things he wants to reveal to my life when I read this book. I can't settle here. Yes, I've been in it for 30 years, but I can't settle here. So if you want all that God has for you, don't settle in Christ. We're going to keep reading. Let's go to Ephesians. I don't know the next verse. I closed my Bible. Just pull it up. I'm going to read it from here. Come on, come on. He says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I love this. I love this. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking afford to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. My goal is to die, and when I die, to appear before my Father. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So as soon as you die, in a moment, you're in the presence of Jesus. You ought to, you ought to see the movie Paul the Apostle. And if you've seen it, watch it again today. Go have your ice cream, your dinner, go home, watch Paul the Apostle, because it's a beautiful day. And I just love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Because at the end of the movie, you know, historically, Paul got his head cut off. So when he's writing Philippians, he's on the brink of dying. And so he's just saying, I want to, I'm going to forget everything. I'm going to press into the Lord. I'm going to press into my call. I'm going to change my industry. I'm going to change my workplace. I'm going to raise my kids up in the Lord. All that stuff that we can do to apply this faith to our daily life. And at the end of the movie, I love it because they, they have him. He's just sitting there. They, they do it. He's, he's gone. But it's, they, you know, they don't show the swing. But when they show it, he wakes up. And, it, and so he, 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 sees, he sees people that he shared the gospel of Jesus with when he was on earth in heaven. I met you in Ephesus. Oh, yeah, we planted that church in Thessalonica. We planted that church in Frederick. We planted that church in Bel Air and College Park. We planted that church in Pennsylvania and D.C. I, I, I saw you. We preached the gospel in your city. Oh, yeah, I married you too. Oh, yeah, we prayed for that baby, and God healed that baby. And so he's seeing all these people, and he's in all white. And then the very last scene, and oh, my God, I start crying like a baby. You see the main man walk down a hill. His name is Jesus. Woo! I'm getting chills. He walked down the hill, he smiled at him, and the movie goes off. He says, I'm, I'm pressing into that. I don't got time to play games. We don't have time to play church. We have a risen Savior. He, in case you didn't know, he's still alive. He's still working. He's still operating. He's still good. He's still blessing. He's still moving. And so he says this. Bring my verse back up, please. Verse 14, I press to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Second point, if you're going to have everything that God has for you here and in heaven, number two, pursue tomorrow. Pursue tomorrow. Man, I'm, I'm a history buff, and so I love the Wright brothers, the Flight brothers. Uh, they were um, building... The first airplane between 1899 and 1903, and uh, so they 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 had their first go at flying this plane in 1903, 
And would you, would you know it, you should go and read the story, that five people were, were present when they did that first flight. And uh, they sent a telegraph to the United States government. And um, the United States government responded back to them. They said, we're not interested. They're like, we, we believe that this is going to take America to the next level. Like the airplane, we're going to be able to fly. Five people showed up, and the United States government said, you're crazy. But, but they, saw, they saw tomorrow. They saw tomorrow. I bet you if Paul would have had a plane, Jesus Christ. Had Paul had a plane and a car? My God. Anyway, 120 years later, there are now, right now, as we gather here to worship Jesus and experience community, experience his power. Right now, there are 5,000 planes overhead carrying over 1 million people. And the airline industry brought in over $900 billion last year. A trillion-dollar industry. Why? It was all because they were pursuing tomorrow. As a matter of fact, their dad was a pastor who said that human flight, never happened. And so their dad had this amazing library in his office, and um, there, was a, there was a book there that led them to another book. And in, in this particular book about flight, it's, it's crazy how he had a book about flight, but he didn't believe in flight. It's just weird. A lot of times we can teach if you're not careful what you don't believe, so, and it becomes religion, and it has no effect in your life, but I believe everything in this Bible. But anyway, he had a book about flight, and his brothers read it, and there was a little statement in this book about human flight that said that... Um, we ought to repent of small dreams. A lot of times we talk about repenting of sin. I get it. I repent of pride. I repent of this. I shouldn't have cussed that person out. Lord, I'm sorry. I turn from that. But one thing you ought to repent from is small vision. Repent from it. Because God is calling you into your tomorrow. I love this about Orville Wright. He said this. Let's pull up the, the quote. If we, worked, if we worked on the assumption that what is accepted as true really is true, then there would be little hope for advancement. If we lived on the assumption that all we see is all that there is, you just might as well call it a life. But, but, but there's more. So what did Paul say? He says, I forget. I forget. Literally in the Greek, this means that Paul took his past, his past failures, his past success, his past mistakes. Because a lot of people will say, man, those were the good old days. The 2000s. Wow. The late 90s. Wow. Today. Oh, man, this is the best time of my life. Paul took the past, the good old days and the bad old days, and that word in the Greek, forget, means that he, he, he put it symbolically in a box. This is what it means. He closed that box. He taped that box up. He took that box of his past. He put it in a corner, and he put a, a blanket over it, and he forgot and neglected the past because God was calling him to more. And then he says, I press on. So this word in the Greek means to run. 
So I'm going to forget the pain. I'm going to forget the failure. I'm going to forget the critics. I'm going to forget the 19 tries and I still got to know. I'm going to forget how many times my partner broke my heart. I'm going to forget the fact that my dad was not there. I love him. I forgive him. I'm going to forget all that. Why? Because I have to run after what God has for me. And as long as I'm holding on to the, come on, come on, church. Come on, 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 come on. And as long as I hold on to it. I'm going to be weighed down. I'm, as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for whatever has happened, whatever has hurt you, whoever left you, whoever God didn't, didn't heal that you loved. I'm, I'm sorry. But, you know, you're praying right now for some change in some of your family members changing yourself I'm sorry if God hasn't showed up I'm not apologizing for God I'm just saying like I'm sorry but but you got to find a way to put that stuff in a box we got to find a way to forgive to love people to let people go we got to find a way if not it's just going to be Chains and fetters. And even though Paul is chained up and he has fetters on his wrists and his ankles, he says, I'm, I'm still moving forward. How was he moving forward? Even in the prison, he was sharing the gospel with the prison guards. So you may have me physically chained, but you're not going to stop my calling. You're not going to muzzle me. And you can go back and read Acts. Everywhere Paul went, people were coming to Jesus because he was not going to allow his circumstance to chain him. He was running after something in the spirit, in his faith. He was running after Christ, after Christ's power, and after eternity. He was pursuing tomorrow. Ecclesiastes 7-8 NIV. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. So when you're reading scripture... You got to look for equations. You see that? The end of a matter is better than the beginning. What, what I do, if I, were, if I could show you some of my notes at home, is I would put end. I've written this many of times to remind myself. I put the greater than sign, beginning. As you continue to hold on to faith. And then I love this verse in Job 42, 12. So the Lord blessed Job. Check my eyes. Should have washed my face. (laughs) So the Lord blessed Job. First half? What does that say? Of his life even more than the end? Oh, the beginning. So I forget the past. I forget it. I forget it. Well, Pastor, I love what you're talking, but you know, I'm I'm 60 years old and I've seen it. No, you haven't. Because if God has 30 more years 
on your name. There's 30 more of glory. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm I'm 30, and my 20s was the best years of my life. You didn't even understand life. You're too insecure to (laughs) understand life. Come on, come on, come on, come on. The second half. Come on, let's clap this up. The second half. The second half. Like my, my, my oldest kid right now, he's, he's 10. Oh, my God. He just knows everything. <laughs> Damien, he knows more than you. No one knows more than Damien. Right? I'm like, you got it. <laughs> you win. <laughs> I don't even argue with him no more. But the second half, the end of your life is better than the beginning. And um, so pursue tomorrow I just just personally sharing these things because I truly do believe that God has shown you a thing uh, Paul says uh, I'm gonna press in to 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 why Christ first possessed me so, so a lot of people say well pastor I don't I don't know if I've ever seen anything that God has shown me or I don't I don't know I don't know I, I don't even know the Bible I don't understand the scripture and uh, can I just tell you that even if you don't know your Bible God can still speak to you you want to know the Bible, but, you know, like things like, so I asked him, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen it. I asked him, like, have you ever seen yourself making a difference in the world? Yeah. He, sh- he showed you something. <laughs> Say, uh, have you ever, I know you maybe have been through a divorce or whatever, and I, have you ever seen yourself married again to someone who loves the Lord? Yeah? Or, <clears throat> yes. Yeah. He's shown you something. Yeah. Do you see your kid, kids healthy and wise and purpose on their life, power? Yeah? yeah? He's shown you something. And that's what you pursue in Christ. Right. You, you may be in fetters and chains today, but if he's shown you something, that, that's what you pursue. That's the target for your faith, not what you see. Paul himself says, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. So if he's shown you that, that's where you're going. Right. And you need to start to declare that over your life and believe that for your life. Come on now, church, because God wants to get the glory. There, um, so, so one thing for me and PK, just, just practically speaking, is um, 50 years of healthy, joyful marriage. And, and men, you, you got to, men, we got to begin to enter into this. The, the, the Bible says that he who receives a wife obtains favor from the Lord. That means that if, if Jesus doesn't show me that God loves me and I'm married, She's proof positive that the Lord loves me. Joyful. We've given as a church to date over 70 grand in outreach. But that's, that's just the beginning. We're going to give millions. 20 highlight churches in 20 cities in Maryland in 20 years. Pursuing tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow is so 
important. Let's pull up verses 15 through 16. It says this here. It says, let all who are spiritually mature, I love that language, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Eventually, it'll make sense. Verse 16 in conclusion, but we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. If you're going to get all that God has for you, never give up. Never give up. Don't settle here. Pursue tomorrow. Last point, never give up. Never give up. Like I said, I love history. I just want to read you a few things as we close out. Yeah, Mercy, let's, let's do it. I've read this here before a few years ago, but some of you weren't here, so I'm just going to share this here. In 1809, he was born into extreme poverty. At seven years old, his family was evicted, and he had to work to support them at seven years old. His mother died when he was nine years old. His first business failed. He ran for state legislature and lost. He was denied entry into law school. He borrowed money to start a business and spent the next 17 years paying off debt. That business failed. At the age of 24, he was engaged to be married, but the love of his life died. He had a nervous breakdown that put him in the bed for six months. He ran for Congress, loss. He ran for land officer, loss. He ran for Senate, loss. He sought the VP nomination of his party in 1856, loss. He ran for Senate, lost. In 1860, at the age of 51, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States of America. I think the greatest thing about Lincoln is is that he loved Jesus. And you see it all in his writings. He held on to the call. He held on. He was an amazing leader. And he said this. This is a quote that you ought to tattoo on your heart. He said this, I will prepare And someday my chance will come. Even when I lose, I'm going to prepare. When I win, I'm going to prepare. When they leave, I'm going to prepare. When they hate me, I'm going to prepare. When my mom passed, I'm going to prepare. When my fiance passed, I'm going to prepare. When I failed the test, I'm going to prepare. I'm never going to give up. And I want to encourage you with that. If your heart is heavy today, wherever you are, whoever you are, never give up. Trust in the Lord. The Bible declares that those who trust in the Lord shall never be put to shame. You will win. You will celebrate in the end. You will get all that God has for you. Let's celebrate that, church. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We give you glory and we thank you for your word. And um, we just thank you, Lord. Give us the strength that we need to not settle, to pursue you and everything you've called us to. 
Give us the strength, Lord, to never give up. With every head bowed. So I'll let you know that the Lord loves you. He's always thinking about you. And maybe today you need Jesus in your heart. You need the love of God. Christ, the Son of God, came into the world, lived a sinless life for you and I to bring us to the Father. He was put on a cross. His blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose so that we would have eternal life and peace with the Father. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, today is the day that you become new in him. Or if you know God, but you haven't been walking with him, today is the day that you come back. So everyone, let's pray together. Church, let's pray out of respect and honor for those who are making this decision for the first time or who are coming back to Christ. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. I turn from my life of sin. Forgive me. Wash me. Clean me. Fill my heart with your spirit, the advocate, the comforter. Guide me in all truth. I love you. In Jesus' name, I am yours. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.